virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a City sink the tune with a stunner from Madison, an absolute perler from Yuri Tillemans. We march on to Stoke, an FA Club glory this weekend. Comings and goings on the loan fronts. In association with footballkitmarket.com, it's for Fox's sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me in For Fox Sake HQ it's Happy New Year to Rob Hayes. Happy New Year, Pete. The year that we are getting rid of COVID, the year that Leicester are going to win the league and the year that... Oh, there was a third one. Uh, the year that pigs will fly. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> yes. It's um, uh, Yeah, the whole... The whole C word, which we won't mention, we'll mention it now and then we'll try not to mention it again. That'll be kind of the rule. Who knows what could happen? There's problems at Derby at the moment. Uh, I think their youth team is going to play against Chorley in the Cup this weekend. And there's more and more, you know, clubs kind of on lockdown as well as everyone else and, and players and, and all this sort of thing, the whole Dubai going over there. I don't know, Celtic were over in Dubai. But I suppose you can put that down as maybe a work trip. I don't know. But yeah, the whole scenario, we're just going to kind of roll with it and, and see what happens. That's all we can do. So when it comes to football, fingers crossed, it kind of carries on. And if clubs do have issues, then they do just cancel that one game, and etc. Because we, we want it to carry on. Because, of course, uh, you know, we, we want something, A, to talk about on the podcast, but also it's great to, to actually watch and everything and um, on, on the old telly box. Which I understand Leicester, this weekend against Stoke, will be actually live on the BBC. Not on BBC One, but on the red button and also on the iPlayer, uh, which is great news. And I only saw that in one tweet. I don't think it's been well publicised as yet. So whether I think they're maybe hedging their bets, who knows what could happen between now and then. But I think that's the plan at the moment. I don't know whether you've seen that role. Yeah, that's right. Because every FA Cup game is being televised, just like every Premier League game is. But the the broadcasting contracts for the FA Cup are different to the Premier League. So um, the BBC have got a fair few of them. Uh, BT, I think, of are the others that uh, that share the the main bulk of the broadcasting contract for the FA Cup and then anything that BBC and BT haven't been able to or haven't been willing to put on their platforms. I think the FA website, FA Player, is playing the rest of them. But it's my understanding, yeah, that we'll be able to watch Leicester on the red button or iPlayer, which is good because I would imagine most people have got access to that and don't have to pay any silly pay-per-view charges or anything like that. Um, So it'd be nice to watch Leicester in the Cup on Saturday, and obviously we'll look forward to that game uh, a little bit later on in the podcast. But yeah, it, it should be. Uh, it, it's one that you can get on your smart TV as well, rather than th- there's a couple of platforms where I have to watch it either on my phone or on my laptop. It'll be nice to have it on a big screen on a Saturday afternoon in the living room. Yeah, that that will be the case. I'll just I'll just take a, a a quick sip of water and put it on a on a placemat in front of me. Actually, it was a a Christmas present. I got some uh, some some beer mats, some placemats, and it's uh, from my sister. 
and it's the Teletext League table from 2015-16. Really, yeah, it's nice. And uh, just put that on there. There we go. Um, it will be, and most TVs, like you said, uh, do have that option rather than the red button. Yeah, you go on the iPlayer and all that sort of thing, which is great news. And it's great news because Leicester, hopefully, will get through to the next round of the Cup. Now, quite where that lands as we are now in 2021 in our kind of priorities list, which many people are doing at this time of year, we are, as we speak, what, third in the Premier League? We are into the next round or the knockout stages of the Europa League. And then you have the Premier and then you have the FA Cup. Now, would you want to win the FA Cup? Of course you would. The fact that you probably won't be there, I think with what's happened recently, I don't think there's really any chance. I know they put the back the the League Cup final to what April, and then you don't know what could happen then. Maybe they're hoping it could be really be the first big event. Hopefully, if the world is right with itself, then the first big event where you could maybe have a capacity crowd at Wembley. So there is still a chance, but it wouldn't it be? I think I said before it wouldn't be half Leicester, would it? That uh, that they get to the, a Wembley final in the FA Cup, maybe win the FA Cup, and no one can be there. It'd be just like City. But I. Would love to win the FA Cup. Would absolutely love to win the FA Cup. But for me, Rob, I would put this generally in third place, which is way down on my normal list. But then again, it's not the normal season. I would have the Europa League as number one, the Premier League as number two, and then the FA Cup as number three. Because if you win the Europa League, you qualify for the Champions League. I believe, I say that off the top of my head. And so then you don't need to finish fourth in the Premier League. Finishing then fourth in the Premier League would take priority over the FA Cup. You want to progress every year. We're in the Europa League. You want to play Champions League football next year. We'll discuss the Premier League and where we are in the table, etc. further on in the podcast. And then it would be the FA Cup. At this stage... Granted, in maybe a month's time, if we're, say, in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup and maybe have, have dropped out of the Europa League, then obviously things change. But that's where I'm thinking right now. Qualifying for the Champions League would be the number one thing this season for Leicester to do. That would really kick on with the training ground, being able to attract new players. Also, filling the coffers as well would be a great thing for Champions League football, which would do that. And that would naturally take the place of money lost through what's happening in the world, but also through not qualifying and also the new training ground. It really would kick on Leicester. Yeah, it's gotta be it's gotta be Champions League at all costs, hasn't it? And whether that comes through winning the Europa League or finishing fourth in the Premier League, I don't really care. Or top four rather. Um that over over that sustained period of time is is more of a measure of success than one domestic cup run. And that's not us disregarding the FA Cup. But I totally agree with. You. I would, unbelievably for us, the you know the listeners uh, over the last couple of years will know how highly we value the FA Cup, particularly as we've never won it. But at the moment, it's in third place. I'd agree with you. Yeah, that it, why not win a trophy? If you can win a trophy and do what you do in the Premier League, you might as well you might as well win Europa League and qualify for the for the Champions League that way. That that would be ideal, and it would be less of a it would be less of a disappointment not being there. Because Wembley FA Cup would be amazing. Not being in in Poland for the Europa League final, even though that would be unbelievable. But 
do you know what I mean? It doesn't hold the emotional attachment because it's the first year that we've been there. So that that that's what the way I'm looking. But we're in good form. Last time on the podcast, we mentioned about the kind of the four game group, and it depends on how far you want to go back. But you win at Spurs, then you have that really good point against Manchester United. You get the point away at Palace. Yes, change sides, and we probably should have won overall, missed penalty, and all that sort of thing. But then you go to Newcastle. You are overwhelming favourites. When it comes to the bookmaker odds, they were incredibly short. A lot of people saying, well, what do you fancy, Leicester, this, that, and the other? And I was like, oh, really confident about a Leicester win. Full strength side, they've had a bit of time off, etc. Really confident. They were extremely short in the betting. But overall, they got the result. That's the most important thing. Wasn't the most spellbinding performance. But at this current time, I'm not bothered about that. It's about picking up points because the league is extremely tight. We mentioned, oh yeah, third place, fantastic. But then again, we could be down in ninth place and still not a million miles off. What is it, three points splitting about six or seven teams? It's incredibly close. So I don't think people should be going over the top completely about being in third. But also... You also want to kind of big up things at this time of year because of what's going on in the, in the wider world. You need something really to, to grab onto. And also, if you can just put that few runs together, that few wins together, you can maybe just kick clear. And we've got some really intriguing fixtures coming up in, in the Premier League in January because it involves clubs who are just behind us in the league, the likes of Southampton, the likes of Chelsea. But looking back on this win, Rob... It was overall a good win because it was three points in the bag, two really good goals, not too concerned about what happened late on, uh, but it took a little bit of time to develop the game. It did. I, I was sort of watching the social media chat at the same time as the as the game was going on because I was interested to see what other people were making, particularly with the first half, because I was watching it and, and not an awful lot happened, but at the same time, it wasn't bad to watch and usually if if not a lot happens it's a it's a bit difficult to watch and you and you know I, I would have known at halftime what other people were thinking but I'd, I'd had to have a look on Facebook Twitter that kind of thing to see what people made of the first half to sort of get my head around what had happened because it, it, there was quite a good level of intensity there it was a very physical first half um were there enough moments of quality? No, that's reflected in the scoreline quite clearly at half time. But it was quite interesting to watch. And it was a side to Leicester that we haven't seen an awful lot of before. It's not a side that I would have said didn't exist necessarily. I wouldn't have looked at our side and thought they're not up for the um, for the intense physical battle. But it's also not something I would have put up there amongst our top strengths. But it was really pleasing to see against Newcastle, who I didn't think were that bad. They've not they've not got an awful lot of quality, and they don't play the most positive of formations. But I thought the approach that they took to the game was quite positive. They were in Leicester's faces quite a lot. They played at a decent intensity. They were fighting quite hard, and that's the kind of game that you can get out battled in, especially if you're trying to build a team that's solely made up of, of tippy-tappy, technically gifted footballers. Um, and, and first and foremost, really, you would say that's Brendan Rodgers' style. Uh, Hard-working, but, but technically very good. But they had to show a different side to them to make sure that they were still in the game. And I thought we were very much in the game. We didn't let Newcastle bully us with that particular style. And that, for me, was 
was one of the most pleasing things to come out of it. Well, the best player in the first half was a referee. How many touches did he have? I think overall, indeed, he had four interceptions. He had three. Just kept on getting in the way. But yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a slow burner of the first half. I think Leicester were always in command, always in control. There was two or three opportunities to release Jamie Vardy, who maybe slightly mistimed his run, but if he gets one of them right, no one's catching him at all. Rounded the goalie nice, and he, he scores from acute angles, doesn't he? He's had many goals in his career. Remember, the goal he scored, it was against Manchester City at home when he scored the hat-trick on that uh, that night that I always go back to, the best 20 minutes that Leicester have ever played and will ever play, in my opinion, where the third goal was from a ridiculous angle. And he managed to roll one in, but it was offside. I think all of them were were, were clearly off. And um, it was just a matter of time before maybe he timed one of them runs or maybe the, the pass was maybe slightly quicker. And as they got to half-time, I was, I was not concerned at all because it, it just looked like they just needed to, to step up the tempo in the second half. And that's what happened. Yuri Tillemans, after the game, mentioned in an interview that they just by saying what happened at half time what was the the conversation he says oh we we'll just we just said to each other and 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 Brendan Rodgers says we've got to just just move the ball quicker move the ball quicker and we will create chances and we will eventually fingers crossed take one and so in the second half Leicester were on top completely for me in the first say half an hour of the of the second half if you know what i mean and and they move the ball well. Newcastle, they are a fairly limited side and they were missing a number of players and they had a change midfield, for example. But the two goals Leicester scored were fantastic goals. Really, really interesting goals. And and not just the eventual finish from Yuri Tillemans and, and James Madison, but the build-up play, I'm not say it's more interesting, but overall, you look at the goals and there's so many parts to them. The first goal, first of all, Wesley Fafana is run down the outside. He made a couple of times he, he he bombed forward, and whether it was because it was against Newcastle or not, I, I wasn't concerned at all because players will drop back into his position. But you want him to still have that as part of his game. He was used as kind of a decoy, or maybe just completely ignored completely until you know. Oh, we'll ignore you. We're going to carry on with our move. We're going to play it through to Jamie Vardy, and that's where the deja vu happened. It was Newcastle all over again. I tweeted actually from the for Fox Eight Twitter handle at FFS Pod was when the goal went in. It was like Vardy from the league winning season when he scored that goal at Newcastle to equal the record of Ruud van Nistelrooy, what ten in ten or ten goals consecutive. And then it was the famous celebration, hands in the air, looking up to the Leicester fans, and then Riyad Mahrez jumping on his back. That's been. Um, immortalised in, in many ways and, and possibly if you're looking at maybe statues in years to come at the King Power that could easily be one really because that sums up what the league winning season for me and he managed to move the ball past the defender quickly through his uh, legs and then of course he shot low into the bottom near post left hand corner to score that goal well, this time he did exactly the same, exactly the same side of the pitch, exactly the same end, exactly the same um, left-hand side of the penalty area. Uh, but this time he half looked at the goal and then laid the ball back for Madison, who, and this is all just technique, isn't it? Let the ball come to him across his body, put his laces through it, 
and just get the ball on target, make a clean connection with the ball, and uh, and it went into the back of the net. A really good goal, uh, started by Fafana, a good ball through for Vardy, there the deja vu, and, and a lovely crisp finish, again showing the technique of, uh, of James Madison to go 1-0 up. Second one wasn't bad either, was it? When we're talking about technique, yeah, we, we know Madison's got that in him and he, he loves a strike from anywhere around the edge of the penalty area, doesn't he? And, and if if you were laying that kind of opportunity for anybody, then he would probably be first pick in the team, wouldn't he? Um, second one, the, the assist king, Mark Albrighton, for once didn't just put it into an area. He actually had a, had a look and picked out a, a, a blue shirt. And unbelievable hit from Yuri Tielemans, who I'll, I'll talk in more detail about him in a couple of minutes in terms of player performances. Um, I, th- I thought he was great, and, and I've got a bit of a bone to pick with some social media keyboard warriors. Uh, but but focusing on the positives for now, the goal, he gets hold of that properly. And, and there's, a, there's a great angle on one of the replays where it's, it's basically behind Yuri Tielemans. And you see when he first hits it how far outside the post it starts, how beautifully it just bends around the defender. It's it's an incredible hit. And I think I read somewhere, I'm, I'm not totally sure on this stat, so again, those of you that might be newish to listening to us, we don't really prep very much for this podcast. We just say what we think. But I think somewhere I read that that's equaled his goal tally for last season already for this season, I believe, something like that. Anyway, something to do with the number of goals that he scores. And and that's a real positive that he is contributing from midfield to ease the burden, I guess, on the on the attacking players. And, and he does have a lot, a lot to offer going forward, even though he is playing in a slightly more, um, I wouldn't say restricted role, but uh, he was he's playing certainly 5, 10, maybe even 15 yards further back than than possibly we thought he might in this system. But it seems to be serving him well. And that late sort of arrival into the area of space just outside the penalty area picked out perfectly. And he properly got hold of that. He did. He, I, I suppose you have to throw in maybe a couple of penalties he's taken so far this season. They would go a long way because he took one at Man City, I think, off the top of my head. And um, I think he scored an... Anyway, but... Uh, Oh, it was it was a glorious goal. First up, it was a, a the Yuri Tillemans kind of body swerve in midfield. He moved away from a man without touching the ball, pretty much. Let the ball come onto him, rolls his body, and then goes forward. The ball then plays to Albrighton out wide, and you could tell because when the ball went in the back of the nets, half the players went to Albrighton, half went to Tillemans. Yes, they were a different size of the field, but I think everyone appreciated what a great pass from uh, Mark Albrighton, who actually. Um, I think when it comes to the three-word reviews, I'll go through them in a second, but I think um, my dad, actually, he gave him man of the match. And I agree, he was my man of the match, Mark Albrighton. Thought he had a brilliant game all round. And to set up the goal, it was a great pass. But the, the finish, first of all, to time the stride was perfect. But then to hit the ball like that, that that's just quality it's just pure quality funny I don't think he had the great I'm quite interested to hear what you got to say about your Tillemans I don't think he had the best first half I don't think he played very well in the first half he misplaced a few passes a few simple balls but uh, nothing extraordinary I just think he was just slightly off what we know he can do and then second half he goes and turns in a brilliant performance nothing absolutely outrageous Nothing uh, really to worry about, but uh, I, I had down on, on my little notes on my phone uh, the first half 
Uh, it was just about Vardy's time runs and also just Yuri mistiming a few too many passes. Nothing specific, nothing particularly worth you know, to shout home about. But that goal, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. We're being on Soyuncu. So that was great to see him back. Fingers crossed he'll probably play uh, at the weekend. And then the goal that we conceded, it, we know they've got issues from set plays. This season, it's been a, it really has been an issue. This, I'm just going to put down as a as just one of those. Ball comes in, it gets half cleared, but it just lands to the feet of of Andy Carroll, who sorts himself out really well, and almost does what James Madison did. He just made sure he got full contact on the volley, and I don't think Harvey Barnes covered himself in a lot of glory with trying to close the ball down, and he just put his foot through it into the back of the net. I'm just going to put it down as, I don't think, is it going to be one that you put down as a a set play? Well, that would be slightly harsh for me. Yes, it was from a set play, but I think it was just a football thing. And then it made it slightly awkward for the last few minutes. There were one or two crosses when they crossed the face of goal, etc. But those things happen in football. I don't think any any opportunity, Schmeichel had to make a a really good save. It It was... not the most comfortable watching, but I, I never really thought they were going to concede. So, overall, a nice 2-1 win and a good three points. Yeah, it's it's a situation that you don't ideally want to be in, but I, I totally agree with you in, in the sense of the way that the goal was conceded. You could lay a, a touch of blame here and a bit of there, and you could bring it back to the whole set-piece chat. But, you know, in football matches against fellow Premier League sides, you concede goals. You know, you're not going to keep a clean sheet every single week. That's that's just um, the fact of the matter, really. Um, what I wanted to say about Tiedemans was, I thought physically that was the best, probably the best game he's had in a Leicester shirt in terms of the fact that he was in a proper midfield scrap. And it's something that's come up before in terms of his physicality from a um, the point of view of does he have 90-minute engine in him every three or four days? And 18 months ago, maybe a year ago, no. Now, absolutely. And not just to get up and down the field and, and support in an attacking and defensive uh, perspective, but also to put himself about. He put in some challenges that I was very, very impressed with and that I didn't really think he had in him. He was, a lot of the time, being pulled across to deal with Joel Linton, who was kind of playing officially out wide, but he was drifting in a lot and they were hitting a lot of diagonals to try uh, and get the knockdowns from him. And he's he's a big physical bloke, Joel Linton. And Tielemans went up with him every time. Not saying he won every single battle, but he was in the battle. And I didn't... I didn't think or I didn't know that he had that in him. And that, and that was the pleasing thing for me. Yes, he misplaced a couple of passes. But the thing with Yuri Tielemans is, and we talked about this uh, the other week as well, when we were talk, discussing the, the Mendy and Chowdhury partnership in midfield in that game where we made the, the, the number of changes over Christmas. Yuri Tielemans is always looking to play a forward pass. He's always looking to keep Leicester moving. So if occasionally he takes a chance with an early pass or he tries to thread it through a gap that isn't necessarily quite there that time, I don't really mind as long as he's not doing it in dangerous areas, which I think he's got far 
superior football in brain to pretty much anybody at the football club. So I don't think he does that. I don't think we, he puts us at risk. And I would rather sometimes give up possession in the opposition's half when you've tried a pass that could. And how often have we seen it in the last six to eight months? Yuri Tielemans absolutely destroying defences with one single pass. I would rather him keep trying those than do the safe thing and turn back and sideways. The, his goal that he starts in midfield, as you rightly said, with that lovely little turn past the midfielder, that goal categorically does not happen if the person uh, in, in that position to begin with is Chowdhury or Mendy. Because Tielemans, he could have just got his body there, laid it back to the centre-back, recycled possession, here we go again. But he is technically confident enough to beat his man in midfield and then he puts in the the burst of pace for 10-15 yards and then he's got the quality to adjust his stride and the technique to strike the ball like that into the back of the net. I think in terms of his all-round game, he has got absolutely everything and he showed bits of all of that against Newcastle and that's why I was really impressed. And what my issue is with um, with lots of people is because he gave the ball away a couple of times, as you rightly said, Pete. I'm not I'm not saying that he didn't at all, but a lot of people were jumping on him, and and at half time, some of the comments on some social media pages were were slating Yuri Tielemans and saying he was having a terrible game. And then I've seen um, in the post match social media stuff. I think the club itself actually on Instagram a couple of days ago said, "How would you rate Yuri Tielemans' season out of ten so far?" It was a real mixed bag, and I'm surprised about that because I think he's absolutely essential to what we're doing at Leicester City. And I saw some people saying, oh, not good enough, 6 or 7 out of 10. And I've seen some people saying, outstanding, 9, 9.5 out of 10. I'm way up towards the closer to the 10 end of the scale because he's got everything. He's bringing everything to most matches now. He is absolutely vital to this football club yeah I, I would be really towards the high end of those things yeah but that's that's I think social media is, it's like that isn't it we, I, I had down like I said he had a reasonably poor first half because of one or two missed passes but then again in the second half he then goes and, and, and scores a brilliant goal and has a has a, a fantastic performance He's he's been fantastic all season and it's it's really interesting the way that he has dropped back that 10 yards or so to become more of a, a playmaker rather than the person to kind of drive forward, but he still does that as well. He's not he's not relinquished that side of his game. Pure example: the goal against Newcastle. He's developing other aspects of his game, and he's done that to allow someone like James Madison to be that number ten and to take over that central role. And he's done that fantastically well. And if say Tillman's was going to turn into a number 10 through whatever situation in the game. We know he can do that as well. He's been fantastic. And funny enough, um, I've got further down, there's been an interesting uh, study today or released by um, uh, the CIS, who basically the football observatory of players in world football and their value. So you're talking everything here. You're talking a, how good they are, how long they've got left on their contract, which is a very important thing because the comments below when this was released, and this is a, a big study, it's not just like a, 
a magazine have come out with this sort of thing. And um, some of the comments are unbelievable. They just don't, people don't listen or read, do they? They don't understand, even if it's written in, in massive letters. This is based on age, contract length, um, and then obviously performance, etc. And it's the top 100 most valuable uh, players in world football. And Leicester, there are two players in that uh, top 100 and the highest rated is Yuri Tillemans and they've got him down um as about 64 million pounds and um and they've also got in the top 100 actually at number 100 is uh well or guess actually who who do you reckon is is uh, number 100 taking everything into account Madison uh, no, they've got Harvey Barnes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes um, sense. He, he comes in at around forty-eight million, but then again, I, I looked on the list and you kind of nod your head, etc. Um, trying to remember who the number one was. Harland was number two. Oh, it was. Yes, yeah, it was quite interesting actually. Um, Marcus Rashford was number one, which many people go, "Ah, oh, load of rubbish." But then again, you say he, he's got a. He's just signed a huge new deal, hasn't he? So he would cost an awful lot of money to a prize away from United English, as well as you look at some towards the top end of things, and um, yeah, it's, I think Kylian Mbappe was number one last year. He's down at five because he's only got a short amount left on his contract, etc. Someone like Kevin De Bruyne was right next to Yuri Tillemans because he's only got a short contract remaining at Man City and his age as well. So it was just interesting to see the value of Yuri Tillemans there. And he's been fantastic. The two the two really pleasing aspects for me involve him and also involve James Madison. Now, it's not the two goals. One of them is the goal, and that's Yuri Tillemans, because it's him getting forward, and it was just such a great finish. And I think I would like to see him shoot more from distance. We know he can look, look, look at the goal, but we know he's got it in his locker, which is a saying you could say about someone like Wilfred Ndidi when he scored one or two fantastic goals early in his career and for his previous side. That's kind of gone now. We don't really want him taking pot shots from anywhere. We don't want anyone, really. But when the ball breaks, surely we want someone like Tillemans to start putting his foot through it. Something which Leicester don't do enough for me. I'm not saying they try and walk the ball in, but I'd like to see them shoot on site more often. Um, Harvey Barnes, player A, really, in this. I'd love to see him shoot more, and he's doing it. It really is coming on. Um, and the second aspect is by James Madison, and it wasn't the goal. It was what followed after the goal, where he got the ball in a similar position from the left. He was about 25 to 30 yards out, a bit further out, and the ball came across from the left in front of him and he basically had his back to goal and he turned and he had a shot without seeing where the goal was and it flew about probably a foot and a half wide of the right-hand post. Goalie beaten all ends up and it was curling. It wasn't far away. Now, first of all, if that's on target, it's a goal. But that confidence from the goal and I, as soon as he hit that ball and I thought it was in and it didn't go in, I was like, but straight away I went, that is exactly what we want to see more of from specifically that player. We know Tillemans can do that, and I'd like to see it more. But for someone like Madison to take that opportunity on the turn to shoot, that's exactly what you want from your number 10. That's what you want from one of your star players. And 
we haven't seen that really from Madison. It was an out-of-the-blue moment for me. We know he can score great free kicks. We know he can score from distance. He scored at Newcastle at the other end of the field last season, didn't he? I'd like to see him do that more. Sometimes if he's running towards players or all of a sudden he gets the ball, he can move the ball out of his feet. And I don't think he takes shots from distance as often as he does, as he should do. And that effort for me was probably, as much as the goals are the highlights, and there are not just highlights of that game, but I think will be highlights of this season and when you look back on players' careers, it really were two good goals. But that shot that did not go in, that was possibly something we'll look back on this game more often and go, we want to see more, and hopefully in the next few games and for the rest of the season, if Madison starts to do that more often and scores, because he can do, um, it might just be a, a, a shot we look back on and go, maybe, not that was the turning point, but that was the, the start of a part of his game that uh, really has developed. It shows off his flair, it shows off his unpredictability, in, in, in and I mean that in a, as, a, as a positive trait, and ultimately... The main reason that we all like football, that we like talking about it, that like we, we, we like watching it, is because we're entertained by it. And it's very entertaining to see the player wearing the number 10 shirt for your club, having a go at having a swivel and a first-time shot, when nobody, nobody's expecting him to do it. Least of all, like you say, the opposition goalkeeper. I was surprised by it, and I was watching it on my laptop. So the goalkeeper would would have definitely been surprised by it. As you say, Pete, he's getting nowhere near that if it's on target, and it's very, very close. And, you know, if there's any position on the pitch where you're wanting players to try something out of the ordinary, um, it's there. And I agree with you, the more he tries it, the more often something like that is going to come off. And you need those moments of individual brilliance Um to 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 make the difference between being a a a good team and a very very good team, and yes, Madison and Tielemans showed exceptional technique for both of the goals, and that's ultimately why we came out two one winners over Newcastle. You know, you don't have players with that technique in in the game. You don't score those goals. Simple as that. So Madison, it's nice to see him trying those things, and it is a sign that he has got back the mojo that. At the start of the season, he couldn't quite get clicking on a regular basis, and that was because of the lack of preseason, the the little niggling injuries that he that he had. This this showed to me, and especially if we start to see it more often over the coming weeks, shows that he is right back at the top of his game, and and we need to keep him there if we're to sustain the the top four position. Yeah, if we go to the uh, the three word reviews which I mentioned earlier, um, here we go. Uh, much needed three uh, referee or player. <laughs> yeah, so many, so many touches of the ball. It was unbelievable, weren't it? Uh, Fafana, Madison, and Tillemans. Um, yeah, all Brighton. I gave man of the match too, and uh, work for it. Class eventually uh, tells eventually, which obviously it did. Uh, Happy New Year. Uh, needless nervy ending. Yeah, it was quite. Um, it was quite nervy. Although again, I just think it was. Uh, a football incident, if you want to put it down. For me, I think it was just it, the ball just landed to his, and it maybe could have been closed down better. But uh, sometimes just these things happen, don't they? But you look at the Man City game away at Chelsea, and they absolutely dominated that game, conceded late on. That's I know it was a 
three nil up at the time rather than say two nil with ten minutes to go. But you know, sometimes these things happen. Uh, job done eventually. Uh, kind of really sums it up, doesn't it? So there's plenty more on Facebook. They're on uh, Twitter. So if I just move over to the old uh, Facenet and find them out on here, bear with me for one, two, three seconds. Right. Uh, oh, I've got a few on here actually. Uh, we've got deserve to win. Uh, almost a Vardy special. Uh, that was that one that hit off the top of the crossbar and post, wasn't it? Uh, made hard work. Two great finishes. More shots needed, which kind of which we've alluded to. And uh, squeaky bum time, which it was uh, towards the end, but uh, I'm still quite confident about the win. So a good three points for Leicester. Nice to see Soyuncu play at the end. And if we look forward, Rob, to this game against Stoke, there's been plenty, there's lots still to discuss. There's lots of interesting news regarding, say, transfers and, and loans. There's been uh, a, a real spark of activity at the club really early. And um, and so we'll talk about those. I've got them listed down, of in, including something in the last few minutes, in fact, uh, whether you've seen that or not, Rob. But um, when it comes to Stoke, they're eighth in the championship. Uh, their recent form is not exactly anything to write home about at all. How many changes to the Leicester side, Rob, do you expect to see? I have a number written down. Good question. What what did we have over Christmas? Seven changes, wasn't it, for for that game? Um, I'm 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 just looking at the fixtures, reminding myself of what's to come, and. Yes, we've got a game a couple of days later against Chelsea on the Tuesday. But then we don't play again until the following Wednesday. So it's not like we're playing every three days, really. And we've had a week off from um, the game against Newcastle virtually. So I don't think there'll be that many. I am going to say... Wait, 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 we... um... We play on Saturday, and then we'd have a full week until Southampton, and then it's the Chelsea game. So we've got um, so it's Stoke on Saturday, then there's a full week. Oh, of course, yeah. Sorry, I've missed that one. Yeah, yeah. So it's a full week away. Well, that that mean that backs me up even more. Then I'm I'm gonna say, um, let's try and think who's gonna come in. I, I would, like you say, I think it's a good opportunity to give soon to a start. Uh, Oh, depends whether he wants to bring Danny Ward in for Schmeichel, maybe. I'm going to say four. You're going to go four? I was going to say three, but something's just made me say four. I don't know. Three or four. There you go. Three or four. I'm going to go with nine. Oh, I thought you were hinting that you were going to go low. No, as much as we do have a gap, okay, so... You play on, what, Sunday, and then you play on the Saturday, and then you play the Saturday after. You go, right, let's go with a really strong lineup. But then, with the fixtures coming thick and fast after that, I just think it's a really good opportunity to, first of all, to give players a bit of a rest, the first-team players. I think also it gives the players who haven't been involved being in the starting lineup over recent games, but maybe who were in the side kind of earlier on in the season who did nothing wrong and excelled, the likes of, say, Mendy, uh, it gives them a rightful chance to play. And also it gives the players who I think Leicester are going to look to move on 
a proper showcase and to say, here you go, here's a starting berth. Um, you've probably done nothing to warrant it apart from being on the transfer list. You know, um, someone like Gray. So if you go through the side, I think a couple might remain. Someone like uh, Timothy Castagna, who needs maybe more time to get fully up to 90 minutes. So it could be a good game. To, look, here's your starting berth again. Let's try and get 90 minutes in those legs, possibly. Okay, depending on injuries, etc., and how kind of re- recoverment of, of of his old injury, how it's going, whether that's the plan. But I'd imagine someone like him, they might say, you know, keep it up because he just needs game time. Um, and and then they might keep maybe one of the forwards, someone like a Barnes, um, or even someone like Justin, say on the other side, uh, further back, someone who you would imagine would be absolutely fine game 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 etc he mentioned about Justin being able to play pretty much every single day someone like him I think the rest will completely change I think the goalkeeper will, will change I think looking at the back someone like Soinger if he's if they think he can play okay and coming on for 10 minutes in the Premier League means you'd more than likely think he should be able to start or at least be given a half so he might probably play uh, you'd imagine Daniel Armati will play because, again, he's come on in the Premier League and also he's um, he's proved himself centre-half, not a problem. I can't see him not playing. Um, so then you go Mendy in midfield instead of Ndidi. Uh, alongside him, Hamza Chowdhury would be an absolute certainty and one of those players... Again, kind of to advertise what he can do, maybe for other clubs on loan or maybe a permanent new, who knows. Um, further forward, I can't see Vardy playing, so it will be um, Kelechi and Nacho. I think Gray will start. Perfect opportunity for him to bag a couple, play well and get a move. Um, who knows? Slamani. Who knows? He, he could play. And again, he scores a couple of goals. All of a sudden, clubs throughout Europe go, well, actually, yeah, what about what about Slamani? Headline figure, maybe some scouts there watch him. Um, I'd imagine Under will start. Uh, you've got Dennis Pratt, Ayuzi Perez. There, there's plenty in there. So I, I, I think they might just be the two remain. And they probably will be just in. Uh, obviously, Thomas could come in as well if they don't think Castagna. So I think only one or two will remain. I can see there being... I wouldn't be surprised, honestly... If they really go very, very left field and say, here's a starting berth for Slomani and and Damari Gray. Actually, the more I think about it, the more crazy it seems. But I think they'll go with Kelechi, number nine. But I think Gray will start. Maybe Slomani on the bench with a look to come on if things are comfortable. It's interesting because... Obviously, we are but two humble fans sitting here speculating. Um... And we have opened the show basically by saying that we've put the FA Cup third on our priority list. It really does depend on what value this season, the club, um, in terms of the the sort of business side of it, but also the club in terms of the football side of it, place on the FA Cup. If, If it's a case of you've got to put your strongest team out for every competition that you're in to give us the best chance of it say for example something like the Spurs game against Brentford in the in the League Cup semi-finals this week 
granted this is only the third round of the FA Cup and I know it's not quite the same situation but but Spurs paid full respect to their championship opponents by fielding essentially what was all but one or two players their Premier League starting eleven, including the likes of Harry Kane, Son Heung-min. Bear in mind they've just they've just come off of a very similar fe- uh, festive fixture list to ourselves. Obviously, they had one game cancelled, didn't they? Uh, postponed, um, and they'll be looking at a similar kind of number of fixtures coming up as well. Harry Kane started, Son Heung-min started. Yes, this is the third round of the FA Cup, and yes, Stoke are a little bit weaker than Brentford, but. You know, it's a competition that you, even if you're not prioritising as as your top one, it's it's one that you don't want to lose because you're looking back at our fixtures, those four in the festive period that we've just talked about, unbeaten across those four festive fixtures, two wins, two draws. It brings a good level of momentum into this year. Now, regardless of the players that are coming in, yes, we have got, and you've just listed a, a really good bank of them there of players that have played quite often this season already but by and large it's only been two or three of them here or there with the rest of the squad remaining relatively consistent so if you change all 11 of them or nine or ten or whatever it's very difficult to to generate the cohesion that only comes with playing games together and I think you could very easily come unstuck against a team like Stoke by by doing that. And I'm and I, and you could still say that yes, Brendan Rodgers always says, doesn't he? Even if we make changes, we put a team out that's capable of winning the game. Yes, they are capable of winning the game. But Stoke again, it depends on their priorities. If they properly fancy a bit of a cup run, or they feel like knocking um, Leicester, who are viewed now as a as a decent scalp to get in a cup draw, if they fancy doing that to put some wind in the sails for their season and go full strength, then on paper, yes, we should still win it if we put out the team that you've just spoken about there. But it doesn't necessarily quite happen like that on a football pitch. So I'd, I'd just be a little bit wary of that. But you look, if we make nine changes on, um, or ten changes for the Stoke game, fine. Uh, and if we if we win it, great you've rested some players you've given some other players some game time you've put a few players in the shop window I agree with all of your points and I'm not saying we shouldn't do it I'm just sort of highlighting the areas of caution that that need to be looked at yeah I I, I, I look back only a few days ago Schmeichel in goal Justin Armati Evans Thomas Chowdhury Mendy Perez Pratt Barnes and Inacho up top that that was the starting lineup against Palace. Now, that was what seven changes from the starting lineup the day the the game before, virtually the day before. It was it's a couple of days, weren't it? Um, th- now that was obviously in the Premier League when the games are coming thick and fast. I just think you're playing Stoke, where there's no fans, and I I just look at that and go, if we put out that team, and if you take out Evans and put Soyuncu in there, and you take out say Perez and put Damari Gray in there, you're taking on a half-decent Stoke side. I, you, you should really beat them. Um, I, even though the high, the headline will be nine changes, etc. You look at those that team now, and that team that Leicester can put out is a very, 
very good side, isn't it? I, I just think now the squad's developed to such an extent where, apart from Damari Gray and even Slim Dog Millionaire, if he plays, those two are the wild cards because they're playing because we need them to go or they are going to leave the club. So if they play, it's purely to advertise them. Apart from those two or the rest of them, I can't really see one player there. You kind of not turn your nose up, but you look at and go either doesn't deserve to be there or or really diminishes the quality, doesn't it? Yes, of course, we're not. Jamie Vardy would be exceptional to have up top rather than um, than Kelechi, but we need him to play because we want him to get. We want him to regain the confidence that he would have undoubtedly lost against Palace. So it will be a, a tremendously interesting lineup. I, I think there will be quite a few um, with with the look forward. Now, talking about the um, the players like Damari Gray, that just basically a, a tweet came through as we're recording. So by the time you listen to this, you might know anyway. But uh, it, it was um, from Rob Dorsett, who works for Sky Sports and generally covers the Midlands clubs and, and, and Leicester. And, and the one thing with him is I, I, I do actually follow him quite closely because what he says is relatively, first of all, one or two are kind of exclusives because he's got the access to the club and he's been there and doing it for a long time. But also, sometimes stories will develop. And it's really interesting when you see it on social media, actually. He might post something that's been in quite... Uh, that has been in the public domain for a while. Maybe, and a while means an hour. But, and and all of a sudden, he'll get loads of comments from people going, oh, a bit late for that one, Rob. When... More times than not, he would actually wait for it to be confirmed before then tweeting. So, again, that's why I, I kind of listen to what he says rather than... Because I don't think it's just completely random stuff. And he just put Damari Gray open to the possibility of moving abroad. And I know he's been linked, or at least um, Monaco was mentioned once. Um, Marseille um, and a number of other European clubs considering the move. No surprise. Absolutely no surprise. You think he would suit... Um, football on the continent quite well um also premier league interest is muted in the window although leeds united and southampton were keen in the past and likely more than likely to be keen in the summer when of course he'll be on a free contract but i i i would be absolutely amazed if demar gray is at leicester at the end of the transfer window i just don't think it's going to happen he he will go and wherever he goes i'll, I'll follow his career really interesting to see what happens and hopefully he kicks on that's interesting. Now, away from him, over the last um, what few days, we've got, um, and we'll just chuck them all into a big pile and then talk about them. We've got Andy King, who, yes, he's no longer at Leicester, but he's joined um, Louvren, so King Power owned, and I put on the on the old Twitter sphere, what a, what a silky, smooth transfer that is. Free agent, former Leicester player, former Leicester hero, obviously he always will be. But for him then to join Lovren, it just kind of makes sense, doesn't it, really? Um, you've also got uh, James, who's returned from Barnsley uh, on loan. Must admit, I completely forgot he was actually at Barnsley. And uh, he's instantly put his bags down in the um, in the new training ground and then had to pick them up again, and he's gone to Coventry for the rest of the season. So uh, that's James out the door once again. Uh, also, we've got uh, Admiral... Um, 
uh, Musgray, who's joined uh, Wickham. Now, he was one of those players who was probably mentioned by a number of people, maybe to get uh, some game time for the first team against Stoke. But he's out the door. He's gone on loan to Wickham on loan till the end of the season. Great uh, game time, hopefully in the championship. Also, what caught my eye, he's 22. I didn't realise he was 22. I thought he was a bit younger than that. So he's one of those players who really needs kind of first-team football game time, a bit like um, Drewsby Hall, 22, and doing really well at Luton. Another player, and this is all in the last, say, 48 hours, um, and this one's intriguing. Benkovic has come back from Cardiff. Now, first of all, if you hear that news, you kind of go, well, alarm bells ring, because you go, right, it's not worked out there at Cardiff, or... Is he going to be brought back into the fold at Leicester? Is there a problem elsewhere? Maybe we need more defenders at centre-half. Maybe Big Wes is essentially not really going to play now for Leicester. Um, but looking at the comments from the post by Cardiff, an awful lot of fans uh, from Cardiff were saying, what a complete waste. Why wasn't he playing? He only played one game. And it seems to be a bit of an upset there at Cardiff. The the fans don't really know why he hasn't been playing. So I don't think it's 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 through poor performances. Maybe we'll maybe we'll see Benkovic um, against uh, against Stoke. Maybe he's one player that Leicester want to move out, or maybe move on, or maybe use as as kind of a, a bargaining tool for other players looking in the summer, maybe up in Scotland for the you know their their centre forward. So lots of activity, Rob, on the on the loan front. Yeah, well, Benkovic only actually made one substitute appearance for Cardiff, and um, I, I know a couple of Cardiff fans, and I saw what they they'd posted on social media, and I had a look at some of their fan pages, and by the by all accounts, his one substitute appearance was he didn't cover himself in any glory whatsoever. Now it's always difficult because if you've been at a club for the majority of the season as he has, and you haven't featured at all, you could put that down to the fact that it, maybe the other two centre halves were were playing very well and never got injured. So there was never any need to bring him in. And that that's fine. You know, sometimes low moves just don't work out that way. But he got absolutely slated for his one substitute appearance. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to go into, to join in to a game at centre-back in the middle of a game, whatever level you're playing at, let alone if it's a championship when you've not had any football really for quite some period of time now. So I'm not really surprised that it didn't work out there for him, um, I, I can't imagine for a second that he's been called back with a view to being in, reintroduced into the Leicester squad at this stage. I think it will just be a fact of we'll bring him back because it's not worked out a card if we need to find him another club who are going to start him and, and give him some game time and see if he can get anywhere near rediscovering the form that Brendan Rodgers has seen in person uh, at Celtic a couple of years ago. I think so. I, I agree. I think he'll go somewhere else. And um, But also... If he's not playing there, come back to Leicester. Um, check out the new facilities. Who knows? You might be needed if there's uh, some more injuries at the back. And if not, wait until the end of the transfer window and go out on loan somewhere where you're needed. You know, somewhere where you're going to play rather than just sitting on the bench and, and doing nothing uh, down at Cardiff. Um, and the rest of them just seem quite nice and easy and, and, and decent loans. I presume a number will go out. Um, also... Regarding Hamza Chowdhury, um, there was talk about West Brom and Jambian being interested. He's, I think West Brom will be one of those clubs who will be really hunting around for those players who haven't been finding in first-team football. I think at the moment, uh, Robert Snodgrass down at West Ham 
there's been an inquiry of that sort of player. So Chowdhury would really um, fit the bill for someone like them. Uh, Less not sure whether they um, will let him go yet. And um, West Brom, I think they've only got the one loan place as well for them. And they need other... Uh, other positions to be filled. So I, I can see the Hamza Chowdhury situation not being completed as yet, unless someone comes in with a bid and buys him, or unless there's some kind of um, weird alternative offer where it's a make way for somewhere else or someone else, who knows. But I think someone like Chowdhury will be very, very popular, but also very late. Because I don't think Leicester, first of all, they don't need to load him out. It would be ideal, as we mentioned in the last podcast. I, I, I'd love to see him go. West Brom would be an ideal place. Slap bang, middle of the midfield, um, get stuck in and, and really move on with your career. Hopefully back at Leicester playing really well. But I think Chowdhury will be one that's quite late in the transfer window because he's going to be very highly thought of. And maybe to the point where they're on the trading ground and it's all completely agreed. Right, you're going out on loan. Yes, brilliant. It's it's really going to advance my career, hopefully. But we'll just wait for the best place for you. And I think he'll be absolutely fine with that. I think Gray is a completely different situation. That's just a, he wants to go somewhere where he's going to play permanent football because, you know, undoubtedly there's, there's nothing really left for him at Leicester unless there's a complete turnaround in fortunes, um, both for the first team and also for himself. Yeah, I can imagine that Chowdhury, obviously Leicester is his boyhood club. He's come through the academy. Um, he made his first team breakthrough a couple of years ago, really, but but hasn't managed to cement a, a first team place. And that's that's obviously testament to the fact that we have progressed considerably on the field as a club in the time that he has become a senior footballer. You know, if, if he comes through, say, five or six years ago, he starts in your midfield most weeks. Probably, but but we've we've moved on to needing a player of a of a higher level than that. Has he got that higher level in him? I don't think we'll know until he gets regular Premier League football, and and that's why somebody like West Brom uh, would be a, a, a an ideal move for him. I think you get a full measure then of what kind of footballer Hamza Chowdhury can ultimately be if you give him ten or fifteen games between now and the end of the season in the midfield of a Premier League side. And you no, I'm not saying build a team round him by any stretch because he's not necessarily that kind of player, but he he doesn't want to be wondering if he's possibly going to be filling in for this person. You know, some weeks for Leicester, depending on injuries and that, some weeks he's not even in the squad, in the named match day squad. He'd still probably travel with the team. But... You know, and obviously they they know that information um, before prior to the, prior to the game. But it, it's it's his position at Leicester is a little bit uncertain in the sense that he's not relied upon as much. And I think if you put a bit more responsibility on his shoulders and you say, "Look, we want you at West Brom or somewhere," can you put in the performances that are going to give us a fighting chance of staying up? Can you prove that you can cut it week in week out in the Premier League? And then. You never know what kind of player he could blossom into. Uh, it's not He's not quite there. He's, he's third in the pecking order of a defensive midfield position at Leicester at the moment, and that's just the fact of the matter. And that's pure testament to Wilfred Ndidi and, and Papi Mendy. So hopefully he gets the move. I, I would like to see him definitely stay in the Premier League. 
uh, and, and get a move that works out much better than Benkovic's and give him a move that gets him game time so that Leicester then and Chowdhury can make a proper assessment at the end of the season as to whether it, his position, his future position as a Leicester City player is tenable. Yeah, fingers crossed it works out for him and I think there's just going to be lots of activity between between now and the end of the window. I can't see anything, uh, again, back to what we said previously, uh, when it's regarding incomings, unless there's a loan signing out of the blue, someone that you just, it's it's a no-brainer, maybe uh, maybe someone young, maybe. And, and when it comes to signing players, as Rogers has said, there's we're not going to sign anyone transfer-wise, unless maybe someone like a, a Cengiz Under, where you sign a player with a loan, uh, with a, a view to a move that could easily happen I think there'll be lots of them in this transfer window not necessarily for Leicester but all around with clubs saying look yeah come here for six months and give it a go if it works out then the deal's done already I think under what 22 million or something like that 22 25 million interesting looking at his career at the you know before we finish the podcast with the the FPL with the uh, the fancy football it's it's not quite happened for him. We know we can see how talented a footballer he is. Now, is there more there? Yes, I think there's a real player there. Will it work for him at Leicester? Who knows? Is he going to get the chance? Well, who knows? But it's at the moment. If you were going to say, are Leicester going to go? Yeah, we'll 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 sign you for the let's say twenty two. I think it's between twenty two twenty five million. Let's say twenty two million quid. Are Leicester going to sign under on a permanent deal for £22 million in the summer? Yes or no? I'm going to go with no. If we're going based purely on evidence so far that we've seen, I would also also say no. If he gets more opportunity in the second half of the season, that could change. But at the minute, I think it's... Uh, Thanks for coming in for the year. Thanks for getting us getting a couple of assists here or there. Thanks for bolstering our squad, but we'll look elsewhere. Yeah, I think so. I think if they're looking at the 22 million quid, they're thinking we could really use that elsewhere. That could really go towards the big centre-forward, who I, I still think is the big signing in the summer. I still think this summer they're going to go out and go, right, this is the time to get a big forward because Vardy, he's 34, he'll be turning 35 next season. So if you sign a player for big money, are they going to sit behind Jamie Vardy, who turns 35 in that season, as the second-choice striker? More than likely, because they'll be on a big wage, but also being given more more game time as Leicester's number nine, and more than likely then starting the year after, etc. It looks to be a good time to really pump the money in for a for a big number nine. Big, big, maybe in size, but big signing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, though, back to wonder, I wouldn't be surprised if they do sign him. And the only reason I wouldn't be surprised is because if he gets a chance in the Premier League and he takes that chance, I wouldn't be surprised at all because we know there's a good player. So if he really does take his chance, score a few goals, starts playing and starts getting first-team football in the Premier League and really shows what he can do, you turn around and go, right, we'll buy him. 22 million quid, no problem. I wouldn't be surprised. It's just right now, I think, if you did a, a poll of Leicester fans, what do you reckon? I think you're looking at about 80% would say, nah, we'll, we'll use the money elsewhere. But then in a couple of games, who knows? Because it only takes that couple. He's not really 
had that chance yet at Premier League level. It hasn't really been given it. He's sitting third in the Premier League, what can you do? You know, it's. Uh, but when he's given the chance, and I think he will, he really does need to take it. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does. I think the loan to buy option is proving itself to be the perfect op- the perfect deal for Leicester in this particular situation. A player who kind of was in and out of favour at, at Roma. Some people saying he's one of the best things since sliced bread. Other players, other people maybe questioning possibly his attitude or his application in certain situations. You never know how a player like that's going to adapt to his new teammates at Leicester. You never know how he's going to adapt to playing in a new country. Um, you've got the language, the culture, as well as the football. It gives Leicester a really good opportunity to monitor that very closely over a long period of time before deciding whether the the investment is worthwhile. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily always work for the selling club, but I, I don't think... Well, obviously, Under wasn't in a position where Roma needed him in their first team at, at this moment in time. So it kind of benefits them as well. It gets him out of there for a while. Leicester will certainly be paying his full wages. There'll probably be some kind of loan fee involved as well for for the privilege. And then you've got an agreement if you want to use it come the end of the season to to purchase him. And, it, and if you don't, there's not an awful lot lost there. 20 odd million pound on a winger that you that you are almost guaranteed to to work is not really that much money in, in, in this day and age. But £22 million on a winger who you've got a couple of question marks about and has and will probably need time to adapt is a little bit more risky, especially as I think we said we wouldn't mention the C word, so I won't. But in the current climate, finances are going to be a lot tighter and the, the spending is probably going to be lower for most clubs. So if you're looking for a big transfer, as you say there, Pete, and, and the priority area for recruitment has to be in a central striker position, then at the moment, can you afford to spend 20-odd million pounds on a winger who may or may not be good enough? Absolutely not. No, and I don't think many people will have under currently in their fancy football team. Let's hear the music and let's do the top 10. <laughs> In 10th place, up into 10th place, plenty of movements and with teams not playing and a really varied fixture list, it's a bit higgledy-piggledy at the moment, but up into 10th place, it's Drake Martin with Drake Water at 1,020 points. Up into 9th place, it's John Almeida with Sagres United, 1,022 points. Up into 8th place, it's Rob Ford, Gardner's Delight. 1,032 points. Down into 7th place, Gareth Bell, Bulldogs Forever, 1,035 points. Down into 6th place, Humzad Yazdani with FC Mordor, 1,035 points. And down into 5th place, Joe Healy with Les Dennis, 1,036 points. Up into 4th place, it's Kieran Ford with Vardy Is My King, 1,048 points. The top three non-mover at three, Sam Lau, uh, 1,054 points. Non-mover in second, Steve Curtin with FC Vladovic Barbers, 1,068 points. And one point clear at the top, it's Luke Taylor still with TaylorMade, 1,069 points. That is the top ten. We go down and find myself 
Um, I had a half decent week last week. I'm down in 19th place, but I'm only 20 points off the top 10. Slightly disappointing because I had a really good start. So I had Fernandez captain, and he got 20 points. Uh, but then Kane, uh, I got De Bruyne who, who got a few, but um, Grealish, Watkins, uh, Salah. Uh, the one big disappointment for me was the late Chelsea goal has cost me because I've got two defenders for Man City. And that late goal, I think Cancelo would have got bonus points as well. So overall, I'm counting about 12 points less there. So that one goal has cost me, I think, from being, um, I would have been 12th in the league. <laughs> one goal uh, in the 93rd minute or whatever. But there we go. Um, so it is quite close. And we're going to go down. To try and find. I feel really sorry for you, Pete, being all the way down there in 19th place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, I can't believe you just said I'm down in 19th because 19th is very, very, very much up from me. I am 120 places lower than you. I'm 139th. I am in serious jeopardy of falling off the face of the earth. I do have a few question uh, questions to, to ask you. Um, first of <laughs> don't, all... Don't question my fantasy football technique. First of all, um, what are you doing having James Ward-Prowse as not only a defender, but also your number three defender behind Nico Williams? That's the first thing to, to ask. Um, second is, you've got Timothy Castagna in his side. Fine, no problem. How have you captained him... That's just one thing. When you've got, say, Jamie Vardy in there, you know, or Barnes, if you if you're going on a, on a Leicester level, um, well, yeah, they're, they're just they're, they're the first two. Well, Ward Prowse is playing against Liverpool, so I, I tried to play the percentage game there and and decide that he perhaps wouldn't necessarily score points this week. Um, I don't know. You know what? I'm I'm languishing so far down. And I've tried to stick to some kind of sensible tactics that I just thought I'll go for something a little bit out of the box here because if it pays off, it could pay off big time because there is absolutely no reason why Timothy Castagna would not be backed to get either an assist or a goal in a game. Not that I'd back him every game, but I just thought, you know, this time he's already proven that he can score and make goals in his early season. I thought he's coming back. It's um, he, he's, he's getting back to, to full fitness and I, I was backing us for a clean sheet as well against Newcastle, which was quite close to, to coming in. And I just thought he could rack up a, a fair amount of points. It, it sounds great until it actually doesn't happen because I, you could make a case for putting anybody in your fantasy team one week or making anybody your captain. It didn't work. And that's just one of a multitude of reasons why I am almost last. Yeah, I suppose so. And- the thing is, it's really going to um, get interesting in the next couple of game weeks. First of all, there is the midweek round of games which Leicester aren't in. So there are games midweek next week, which you, which you thought earlier. Um, and Leicester aren't part of that. So there are uh, Chelsea, Fulham, Leeds, Leicester, Liverpool, Southampton, uh, West Brom and West Ham. They all don't play next week. So there'll be a full game week of games not including those, so all players won't score any points. And then the following week, there are lots of clubs who have two games. Uh, the likes of Aston Villa have two games. 
Um, Burnley, Chelsea, uh, Fulham, Leeds, Leicester we know, playing Southampton on the Saturday and then Chelsea at home uh, midweek. Uh, Liverpool two games, Man City because they've got the the game against Villa that was called off, they play then. Uh, Man United they've got two games, Southampton, West Brom and then West Ham. So there are, uh, and the others have just the one game. So what do you do? Do you play your wild card? Do you play your free hits? There's all sorts of scenarios to uh, to get involved with fancy football wise. So I reckon in the next few weeks it's going to be shaken up. I think uh, I think there's a chance. There's a real chance, not only to catch up but also to be left behind. Let's put it that way. This is a real good chance if you don't uh, select the right player here. It's going to be uh, a real shake up. I think so. Uh, this is this is my chance. This is my chance to get back towards the top ten. Here we go. This is this is this is it. This is how it's going to happen. But uh, I won't, uh, won't tell you exactly who. But I've got a few plans, a few irons in the fire. Um, now, I suppose Rob, we will do a podcast before we play Southampton because there's plenty of time. I've got lots of time at the moment, obviously, with uh, all that's going on. So we've got uh, we've got Southampton. A week on Saturday in the Premier League. Then we've got Chelsea. So we will do a podcast before then, previewing those two games, looking back at the game against Stoke in the FA Cup, in which we need a prediction. Now we got it pretty much right last week, weren't we? I think I went you went three one, and I think I went three nil. So we were confident about a win, two one. There you go. What are you gonna say? So it's, it's a win's a win. Um I'm confidence about a lot of changes i'm going to stick with my nine prediction for for changes not surprised if it's 11 would not be surprised if it's the full 11 but um i'm going to go with nine changes and i'm going to go with a leicester win i think we will outclass stoke i think the fact that there's no crowd there will be an important factor we know what stoke's like away but when you make a lot of changes and then go somewhere like Stoke, it, that it looks like a kind of an upset waiting to happen. I don't think it's going to be the case. I think Leicester are going to be quite solid. I don't think it's going to be spectacular. I don't think it's going to be a very good watch, put it that way. I am going to say Leicester are going to win. And I'm think I'm quite confident I'm going to go for a 2-0. I think um I think it might be it might be scrappy. I don't think there's going to be a lot of quality on show. Maybe that will shine late on, but I'm going to go for 2-0 and probably late goals. I'm going optimistic because I was going to say 3-1 and you just reminded me that that's probably what I said last week. So I'm going to go 4-1. I'm going to go Stoke to score first. Here we go. But Leicester, Leicester to regain control and be pretty comfortable. Um, and then as Stoke chase the game later on in the second half, we stick a couple of late runaway goals past them. 4-1. Go on. Up the city, get in there. Four one then, excellent. And then we'll look forward to the games uh, coming. And obviously, we can't really preview them now. But you look at Southampton, really good win against uh, Liverpool, fantastic win against Liverpool, wasn't it? And then you move on to the game against Chelsea, and it, it, it starts to become really interesting, doesn't it? Again, teams who are just below us in the Premier League, uh, teams where a few wins against them really propels Leicester forward. And then you move on to the game after that, which is Everton away, and then Leeds at home. It, it does look like a difficult run of fixtures. Uh, it looks like a tricky run of fixtures. It looks like an entertaining run of fixtures. But it also 
really lays it down to the squad, and I imagine this is what Brendan will be saying to them, look, this run of games here, if we put together not four wins on the bounce, which would obviously be great, but if we put together a really good run of games and get some good points on the board, this will really propel us forward into a, a sustained top four challenge. If it turns the other way and it goes backwards, then Leicester will go backwards quickly because the chasing pack are not far behind at all and we're playing the chasing pack. So come the end of January, we'll know an awful lot more of where we are in terms of our top four challenge. Let's put it that way. Hopefully it doesn't quite turn the way it did last year. But we shall see anything else to report, Rob. No, just keep safe, everybody. Uh, and let's hope the football continues to provide a bit of a distraction for us all. Better do. I've got nothing else to do for the next six weeks. Anyway, let's talk about that, the better. That's it. We'll be back uh, this time next week, or maybe just before that. Depends on what's what with what. And uh, apart from that, give us a follow at Pod on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook as well. And as I said last week, make sure you uh, give us a rating. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, give us a five-star rating if you like or however you want. It's a very quick thing to do and also it really does help the podcast. So give us a rating however you listen to this. Hope you enjoy the podcast. We'll be back next week. 